You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into it, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. We just thank you so much for being a part of the presentation. More than a decade now we've been doing Longhorn Blitz. Thank you so much for your support. You can continue to support this podcast by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button to subscribe to the Horns 24-7 podcast feed, and you get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And get over to Horns247.com and check out everything we've got going on over there. There is no off-season at Horns 24-7, so get over there and check out everything as we uh, slowly start to gear up towards spring practice. Already thinking about spring ball. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Not too shabby. And I feel like I, because of the microphone issue I'm having, I feel like I'm drifting closer and closer to the third member of our team. But that's all right. We're family in here. Uh, he wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge each and every weekday on the horn from 3 to 7. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Appreciate the intro, brother. Gets better and better every time. I do my best. Yep. Um, we talked national championship last week and kind of all the tentacles that could out reach out uh, from, from the Texas angle. Uh, I was hoping we could – Step in here and talk about Brennan Marion's replacement, but we'll just go ahead and do a wide receiver overview just for the hell of it because Sark has not yet hired a wide receivers coach. Did you guys see Chris Jackson from the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. issued the issued the non denial denial, which I think is a good sign yeah. if you yeah. if you like Chris Jackson because yeah. the fact that he addressed it yeah. means yeah. that 
Well, obviously, it's in your mind. It's yeah. even if you if you haven't spoken to him. And listen, D, I haven't spoken to anybody. A, Everybody can say that because you have an agent. Yes, yes well, unless yeah, you're Lamar Jackson yeah, you're or not, one of the few yeah, people. You have plausible deniability. You ain't. Yeah, no, we we know you have an agent, and you're not talking to anybody. We get it. But you have an agent, and your agent is always working for you. And your agent has probably there's a really good chance they've talked to. Someone behind the burn orange curtain. Just like Chris Del Conte can say, I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't talked to John Calipari. Yeah. You haven't. That's why you have a staff. Yes. You want a staff, so you're like, man, y'all do this because I can't do it. You know what I and mean? And then when you also do the time window, I'm focused on this weekend. And you don't yeah. until I'm here for the long term. Yeah, just so like, don't yeah. put it in an email or a text on a company <laughs> phone. Yeah. And as long as you do it, you know, face-to-face, mafioso style, you're good. Yeah, you always have plausible deniability. Sure. You know that. So, sorry. So, the basically at Horns twenty four seven, the three names that we've heard as of this point most involved search: Chris Jackson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which his tie is he played with Jeff Banks uh, at Washington State, so mm-hmm. that's the tie to the Texas staff. Nice, there. I like that. Uh, we've got Joel Falani, now the former wide receivers coach at Washington State, who we'd heard some buzz about, but I don't know where things stand there. And then an interesting name that's popped up recently: Kerry Colbert. Uh, was a player at SC when Sark was an assistant there. Mm-hmm. Played in the NFL. He's now the wide receivers coach. Heard you say that, Florida. On uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so those are the three that we've heard. Uh, again, you could hear a couple more names pop. We've heard a lot of names Rod pop up yeah, a lot of names. during this search. Which oh. you know what, which is good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, a lot of names. You should just interview as many. Like I said, if if I was a GM or if I was an athletic director, we have an opening. I'm not joking. I would interview as many candidates as possible. It's just information. Mm-hmm. And I would go to all the top schools and interview all their top guys if they'll if they'll interview with me, especially at a place like Texas. Yeah. Because they're always gonna come they they'll they'll always pick up the phone when it's Texas. Yeah. So go call all the top schools and just have them give you tidbits and nuggets on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So making you a little making you a file, a database on what schools are doing, you should always just have that anyway, just information and data points, and they'll give you all types of little information, stuff you could steal, yeah. all right? You could rip off and duplicate, like CDC says, or stuff you, that can inform your opinions and advise your opinions on other things, maybe even other coaches at other programs. Like, I don't – when the NFL has like, – I always say this about the Texans, since they've had two back-to-back <laughs> consecutive one-and-done coaches, by the way, which is – Actually, not the first time it's happened. It's actually the third time it's happened in NFL history. The 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 first time was with the San Francisco 49ers. They had three one-and-done coaches in a row. Didn't hide Bill Walsh as their GM. There's your hope, Texas and, fans. And coach, yeah. And then the second time, actually, no, no BS. They hired uh, Shano the second time. Yeah, it was Chip Kelly and Tom Sula. Yeah, I forgot about Tom Sula. Back-and-back one-and-dones. The Jim Tom Sula win. So, yeah, there is hope for Texas fans out there, by the way. Uh, But my point is, because I was talking about this with a friend of mine uh, down in H-Town who does uh, sports radio down there, and I was like, man, I don't don't understand. When you have an opening, if you're an S-show like the Texans, you got openings like that, interview everybody. Like, everybody, like, from every different team you can, as many people as you can, because you're just stealing information. They, they just gonna, they're going to open up to you and give you information if they want that job. And that's going to give you information on those other 31 teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We you even can just saw- build your database of information about, oh, whether it's, a pers- whether it's personnel nuggets, whether it's nuggets about the scheme, whether it's nuggets about the administrative way they do business, all that kind of stuff. I don't say, what, like, what are you doing? Only interviewing four or five people. Don't know. Don't narrow it down. Say, no, nah, I'm going to interview everybody. And if you 25 people, and they'll be like, what the hell are they doing? No, no. I'm getting information. Yeah. yeah. 
That's this something is, that we saw a guy like Belichick even do with players. He would be bringing players in that were like every quarterback that threw for a ton of yards in college, he brought in, and it was for the same idea, to pick their minds and yeah. see what they could come yeah, across. I'm picking so, brains. Yeah, you got to do that. And anyway, yeah, we do your no. due diligence in yeah. that regard. You have bring everybody in and also – it can form those long-term relationships, and you can actually have – you've sat in a room with a guy before. And you expand the network, like you said. You expand mm-hmm. your network, which is all coaches. But, man, I would – I don't know. I'd, I'd make it a more expand. So good for Sark. That's, he seems like he's yeah. considering a lot of people. We said that when Texas had head coaching openings. Like, yeah, I mean, Sark was the guy, but, man, go talk to James Franklin. Go talk to Mario Cristobal or who, whoever, whoever was on your list. Yeah. Uh, successful. Whoever is successful, you deem mm-hmm. as whatever yeah. it is, the, the worthy of that job. You go talk to him and just find out why they're successful. Yeah, and, <laughs> and what that can lead to, too, we talked about this. That can lead you to if Sark's like, man, I'm having trouble finding a linebackers coach. You can say, well, you know, why don't you call James Franklin because he told me about this guy at Purdue that was a GA for him. That's a really up and coming guy. You might want to make a call over there. Totally agree. Something yeah. like that. I'm no, not saying I'm that happened. Because that's how it happens. Yeah. It really does. It really, yeah. it really does. I mean, go, go look. Uh, this is random off topic. Go look at Matt Rule's chief of staff now. So, Doctor Susan Elza <laughs> from the from the UIL outside the box hire, but everybody yeah. in Texas goes. Damn, that's brilliant. Connected to all the high schools. <laughs> get you in the you, door. You, you want to get some, you, the whole point is like almost somebody connected to Texas. Like, why don't we get the person connected to everybody in Texas? Like, you, everybody in Texas knows who she is, and she knows who they are. You yeah, know one Rolodex. of those. You know one of those. F, on. You know one of those FBS coaches. One of the twelve in the state was like, the hell did I think of that? Exactly. No, I think of that first. It's, it's really simple, but it's one of the. I guarantee you, Matt Rowan, he was down here. He. Got a chance to hang out with because he was hiring. He was trying to get to get close. Maybe in fact, he hired Joey McGuire, one of the and, high school coaches. And David guys. Wetzel, who was the president of the coaches' association at the time. See, uh, and you you had just mentioned last week, Jeff. He hired the Arlington Martin coach, Bob mm-hmm. Wager. When he's a Baylor, he hired Sean Bell, who's very yeah. deeply ingrained on a number of levels with high school coaches in the state. Yeah. Come on now, that's how, that's how you, that, that, you talk, talk about hiring. That's how you think about hiring, man. You think you got to think on a macro level, man. You got to be playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. That that's kind of what Matt will deal yeah. with. This. I don't know if it's going to be successful, but I love it. I yeah. love the idea. Yep. And I think I hope everybody loves who Sark hires for the wide receivers coach. And I want to start with the Brennan Marion angle of this because Sark's number one priority from everything I've heard, everything that we've heard at Horns twenty four seven, Sark's top priority seems to be player development what the word is somebody who could really just coach receivers and i say that rod going to brennan marion i don't i don't know that i would definitely wouldn't call brennan marion's one season at texas i definitely wouldn't call it a failure but i don't know that i would call it a year where that position was maximized where you got the most out of it and then you have to ask yourself the question is that on Brendan Marion? Is that on the players? Is that on Sark? Is that on maybe everybody not being on the same page? Because let's face it, man, the passing game did not click in the way that we all thought it could click. The consistency wasn't there. The production, you can look at some of the productions. Okay, the body of work says you were productive, but the consistency was lacking week to week. I totally agree. Um, and I, I, I listen, you guys know I love me some Brendan Marion. Brendan Marion knows I love me some Brendan Marion. We're talking to the number one Brendan Marion truther in the world. <laughs> yeah, here. you know what I mean? Like I said, even right. when uh, Tom Herman was trying to hire a wide receiver coaches, I was like, man, you should hire this young guy, Brendan Marion. Um, and I've been in contact with Brendan Marion since he got the job to congratulate him and everything. So I'm really happy for him. But I'll, and I'll admit, and if me and Brandon had a conversation, I'd tell him straight up, like, yeah, honestly, the wide receivers, from a developmental standpoint, they did underachieve. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, there was regression. 
regression by your top guy, obvious, in, in X-Men. Um, and you didn't develop a third wide receiver. Whoever that was supposed to be never really came to fruition. Mm-hmm. All right, so you was hoping that one of those guys would step up. I think everybody wanted to be Casey Kane, Casey Kane, sorry, Casey Kane, Casey Kane, and he regressed, and then he just had a very, very inconsistent year overall. But flashes, he did flash. We thought it was going to be Isaiah Nair. Uh, and Isaiah Nair was supposed to be that guy. I'm just talking about the guys that yeah, played. Yeah, right, right, Isaiah right. Nair. I'm talking about the guys that actually played. Still, you got to deal with whatever you're, you you got. Play the hands you're dealt. You can't, yeah, you can't decide, oh, man, you know what? I I couldn't develop those other guys. Like, you're a coach. I just what use- I always say, you're a coach. The guys have to get better. That's the whole point of the mm-hmm. job. You got 12 games or whatever it is, and players should get better as the year goes on. I shouldn't see regression. All right. Yeah. Even if they're just a bunch of jags, they should go from jags to at least being serviceable players. All right. And some of those guys should flash and stand out. That's your job as a coach. Mm-hmm. All right. So don't run from coaching. Oh man, I got. I ain't, I ain't got no talent. Then you're running from coaching. You're scared of coaching. All right. So my point about Brandon Marion was developmentally, the guys did not. Jordan Wiggins is the only guy you really can throw out there as someone who did advance in their progression developmentally. They, he did. He hit another level. And some some would argue, well, he really didn't hit another level. He just stayed healthy. That's like, what was, I, exactly he, what I was going to say. Yeah, How much of that is just level. he was like, a, well, man, He just stayed healthy. He was available, yeah. Which, good for him. Hey, the number one ability is availability. All right? got to be available to play football, and that's part of dealing with the injuries and dealing with the, the toll of the game. But here's my thing with Brendan Marion. His, his contributions weren't only supposed to be about – him as a developer of talent. Yep. It was also about him as a recruiter, and I, I still think he's a damn good recruiter. But and he delivered he, there. Yeah, you know I'm saying I don't think he was here yeah. long enough to really show that. But yeah, I you are you know better than me, and I think as a recruiter he was pretty dynamic and had a chance to be dynamic, but only here for one year and one off season. Um, but also bringing in the go go offense or the concepts from the mm-hmm. go go offense. Your most explosive in terms of explosive play rate uh, and your most uh, efficient and effective play, uh, personnel package was 21 personnel. Yep, it was out of two backs. backs. Exactly. It wasn't like that. You averaged over eight yards per play out of your 21 personnel. Mm-hmm. All right, whether that was a you know an amalgamation of Bijan, Rojo, and uh, Keelan Robinson, but even going with multi-back sets, they were really successful with multi-back sets, sometimes with 30 personnel, bringing out three, three of those backs or, or 20 personnel. Uh, didn't have any of that, by the way, in the bowl game, which I didn't understand. But my point is, he, there were other contributions, added value that he brought to the staff that I hope uh, Sark will still continue to deploy and implement. But it wasn't just about him as a developer of talent. And I will admit, I I think he it, it, that was a little disappointing yeah. in terms of the regression that the wide receiver room took. Yeah, and I think it's a good point, though, in talking about the multitude of things that come from a coach that yeah. it isn't just the production at this one position group because all the position groups are tied together to a passing game and then the recruiting aspect and then the scheme aspect and then even with individual players, like Jeff pointed out, Whittington, he was healthy. Was that solely the reason of the growth or was the regression of a guy like Worthy because of the role he was playing like we talked about in recent weeks when you have injuries beyond your control impact the way that the players play? So there's just so much that goes into it that it can't necessarily be an A or a B or a C. It's just you got to really, if you're going to be interested in knowing about it, tie all those things together. It's interesting. You know, We sat here at this time a year ago 
that we were talking about, especially on defense, where like none of the position groups got better as the year went on. They like, they were either stagnant or they regressed. Mm-hmm. And you could say the same thing about most of the position groups on offense. I think it's the opposite this year. And I don't know if this is just me taking a sip of the early 2023 Kool-Aid, but right. as I sit here and think about it, by the way, I, I used the Sean Watson-ism, and when you were talking, Rod, and I almost wanted to see myself out for saying play the hands you're dealt because – I hate it when right, Sean. Man. I hate it when Sean Watson said it. Sometimes the Tom Hermanisms come out in me. I, yeah. I'm like control the controllables. No, damn it. Uh, so he didn't invent that. But when I think about, I exactly. but when I think about all the position groups, guys, I mean, every position group you saw marked improvement from one year to the next. No question. Maybe except for wide receiver. And. I'm just looking right oh, now because you brought up the name Kerry Col- Col- Colbert, but what he's developed at USC sort of is blowing my mind looking at it. I mean, if we look at NFL receivers, mm-hmm. Michael Pittman, 2019, Brown. Was, and that was 2020. Velas Jones is on the Bears, and then Drake London to where, like, each year you got a guy that's, like, we're talking Pro Bowl level immediately when they step into the NFL. That's, point. that's really good. Um. Yeah, let's go. Just go down the list, guys. A quarterback is Texas better at quarterback after twenty twenty two than they were after twenty twenty one. Of course, running back. I mean, yeah, best in the country. <laughs> Tight end. Mm, yeah, yeah, no question. Big time. Offensive line. Yep. Yes. Uh, interior D line. Yep. More productive for sure. Edge. Yep. Talk about how horrible the edges were last year. No question. Uh, Off ball linebacker. Yep. Yep. Corners. Yep. Safeties. Yep. Your star yep. position. Mm-hmm. It's across the board. Across the board. That just leaves you with one. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I and, and I don't know if that's the biggest reason for the regression in the passing game, but it's definitely one of the major factors of regression in the passing game. Yeah. So yeah. do you do you agree with that though, Rod? I mean, look, I was thinking about this. This got brought up because we we were talking about it on the flagship message board at Horns twenty four seven, and Mike Roach and myself and Chip. I think everybody's mentioned it that you know. Sark wants a guy that can really coach the receiver position, can develop talent. And somebody, oh, more so than just a guy who's a lights-out recruiter. And somebody, somebody brought up, well, why can't you have both? I said, you know what? Texas probably hasn't had a guy that was elite at both. Daryl Drake honestly might be the last receivers coach Texas had who was elite at both. Mm. An elite developer of the position and an elite recruiter of the position. And legendary yeah, stories. Ended up in the NFL um, once he was done in college, and obviously in college proved that he was a great recruiter. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Dar- he was there forever. Daryl Drake's last recruiting class that he helped recruit, Jordan Shipley was in that class. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's that was kind no, of the, the parting shot, if you will. No, I agree with that. I mean, I knew Daryl Drake well. Uh, rest in peace, obviously. Love me some uh, Coach Drake. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a great point. I've thought about that. I didn't either until the other day because I went down the list. Right, Bobby Kennedy, really good recruiter. Maybe the one of, if not the best recruiter, Mac Brown had on that staff in the late two thousands. Not a great developer of the position, mm-hmm. uh, especially later in his tenure. Um, Daryl Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Daryl Wyatt. I would say Daryl Wyatt was solid to good at at both of those, but I don't see. I think he was elite. Yeah, and I like Daryl, but I just don't yeah. think Daryl was elite. You didn't get yeah. elite results. Uh, Les Koenig for one year, okay. Mm. Um, I agree with this. Jay Norvell for one year, 
But we didn't we didn't know, get to see what Jay Norvell did at wide receiver because he was a play caller one week into the season. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I've never thought about it. But Charlie I Williams, right. Drew Maringer, Andre Coleman. And I, I'll admit, I am not necessarily the best to break that down. I guess I can just go to Horns 24-7 recruiting rankings because I'm not a recruiting Nick, uh, so I'm not really in on that world. But in terms of a developer of talent, I mean, Daryl Drake was a – I mean, that's why he went to the NFL. Yeah, NFL ain't got nothing to do with recruiting. Right. NFL is all about, man, can you coach talent? And I think that's why the Jacksonville coach, what, Chris, Jackson. Chris Jackson, is a, a front runner potentially for the job. I think he does want someone. Yeah. He, he, he wants someone that can teach these guys, number one, basic fundamentals, which is just catching a football, getting off press, uh, being able to play through contact, things like that, uh, being able to, the, the art of route running which is the art of creating separation from your opponent. So I think Sarks believes that I can teach the guys the nuances of the offense, the subtleties of the offense. I can teach them that. I need somebody to be able to break down the fundamentals to these guys so that they can just consistently beat man coverage and separate on routes and catch the football. Yeah. <laughs> the drop rates are too high, especially for your number one wide receiver. So I think that's why he may prioritize – developmental guy over recruiting because in an NIL world, we're in a different era, all right? If you really ro- really want a player, I mean, there are, there are other ways to go on about just having a dynamic recruiter. Yes, that helps having a dynamic recruiter, but let's admit, Tex- Texas, you can offer a lot more than other universities, especially when it comes to NIL, but just the university in Austin, things of that nature. So I think Sark is banking on, now I, I can't, if, if I have to choose, which most of the time you do, as mm-hmm. we just, you just pointed out, right? Daryl Drake was the last one, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. It's hard to find those guys who are both. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah, it's hard to find guys who are both. So if I got to pick, because it's hard to find guys that are both, and I think he wanted guys that are both. He probably, you know, wanted some of those guys that are high on that list, and maybe, you know, those guys have other things going on, and they don't deem Texas job or vacancy as a top priority. If he's got to choose, choose developmental, because mm-hmm. he's saying, I could recruit him. I can recruit him at Texas. Yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily need the dynamic recruiter at that position. Yeah, and that's where you bringing up uh, Jackson from Jacksonville is really an interesting point. Because first off, when you look at the other guy, like Jeff brought up Colbert. Colbert, when he was at Alabama as an uh, analyst from fourteen fifteen, but he stayed at USC and just moved from quality control to tight ends to then being a wide receivers coach by 2019. So he was a guy that was recruiting to that offense for a multitude of years. But then we saw his ability to develop. If you look at Jacksonville, what they've done in one offseason, I remember even bringing up to you right in the offseason that, oh, man, all this free agency. And normally free agent wide receivers don't work out in the NFL. You can look at the list of the names over the past decade. There really aren't many that hit. But when you look at Jacksonville – they got a guy. First, Zay Jones was just an afterthought. A guy that was from the coming from the Raiders. Christian Kirk never Austin hit High his zone, peak. By the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Christian Kirk never hit his peak with Arizona. Then even a guy like Evan Ingram, your five-star talent, who's a wide receiver hybrid. He is listed as a tight end, but he lines up in the slot receiver over sixty yep. percent of the time. Well, what do you get out of those guys? You have two man beaters in Kirk and Ingram, where if you tie them with the scheme with Doug Peterson, the way Sart can scheme guys open with Yak, Doug Peterson's one of the best in the league. Like when you saw them totally torch the Titans earlier in the season, it was like 162 yards to Ingram all on man beater routes. There are quick one-on-ones that he can get. Kirk's 
the other guy. You look at Zay Jones's numbers when he was with Raiders last year. He wasn't a guy that could find the open part of his zone at all. This year, he's yeah. one of the best against zone coverages because he's a guy that can find the spot whenever teams are zoning up against them. It went to where Marvin Jones was the only reliable receiver last year for uh, Lawrence on Jacksonville. He's sort of fallen all the way down to the totem pole to being the fourth guy on the team because they're one of the few that used three free agents and got a coach that was able to use them right. And people forget that Calvin Ridley just got off of his suspension and he's a Jaguar and he'll be on that team next year, which will be really impressive. But that coach, Jackson, he really got the most out of three afterthought guys that most people in the league either thought was Christian Kirk's overpaid and nobody cared that. about Ingram yeah, and nobody that. cared about Zay Jones. That's a great point. And honestly, got to give some credit to a guy most people uh, have been disrespecting for a long time, and rightfully so, and Trent. It's Trent Balky, yep. the GM. Because yeah. Jamal Agnew from Detroit also is a very big weapon on yeah. that team. He leads the NFL in a per-touch basis. They get him the ball when he gets a snap 32% of the time on that team, and Agnew was just a kick returner for Detroit. Yeah, now he screwed up with the Urban Meyer hire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, but we're just talking about one and done. One duns. year he fixed it. We're just it. talking about one and done. Exactly right. That Doug Peterson hire, that was a home run for him, um, and he knew he was building around his young quarterback and everybody said Christian Kirk. That was, that was, that was that only people. A lot of people actually they blame the Jaguars for partially inflating the wide receiver market, market for the inflation of it. Yep. It's because they overpaid Christian Kirk, mm-hmm. and a lot of the contracts like, hey, if that guy's getting that, then, then you everyone, know you got to give me. It's like the Deshaun <laughs> Watson of quarterbacks. He <laughs> yeah. screwed up everything. Uh, and so I think for uh, for the Jags, considering what you just said about how all those guys were. It was kind of a money ball approach. They were they were good at specific things. Their skill sets specifically could be maximized and weaponized with Doug Peterson in that offense with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. He saw the macro. Yep. A lot of people didn't see it and decided, no, no, I want to lock these guys down. Well, it makes sense I didn't to see go to that, that wide receiver coach. No, yeah. it really was. That's that's a good point. Um, I want a couple things here on the wide receiver position. I do want to give – there's just one guy I want to give his due of these Texas wide receiver coaches that we're talking about. Uh, that would be Charlie Williams because I want to go to, and part of this was Sterling Gilbert's veer and shoot offense, but how many guys on that 2016 offense, I'm trying to find it real quick. Let me pull up the 2016 numbers. It seemed like they had several guys that were like 20-plus, 30-plus catches on that team. Let me pull it up. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Vacated all those Harris. Here we go. Uh, yeah, our catches: Armani Foreman, thirty-four; Jake Oliver, thirty-three; Jacory Warwick, 20, thirty; Dorian Leonard, twenty-nine; Colin Johnson, twenty-eight; Gerard Hurd, twenty-four; Devin Duvernay, twenty. It's seven guys on that team catch twenty-plus balls, mm-hmm. and you know Charlie Williams, to his credit, and a credit, some of it goes to Sterling Gilbert, and some of it goes to Matt Maddox, but man. That was probably the you, – you definitely got the best out of Jake Oliver, Ja'Cory Ward, Dorian Leonard. That was the best football you got from those three guys. It's probably the best football you got from Gerard Hurd at the receiver position was in 16. That's a good point. You know, and Armani Foreman? I mean, Armani Foreman was better in 16 than he was in 17. Hmm. No, I didn't think about that. You're right about that. What's he doing? Charlie Williams? Yeah. Uh, I want to say, did he follow Charlie Strong to South Florida maybe? Mm, you might be right about that. I don't remember. But I know yeah. th- the reason why I felt comfortable about the Charlie Williams hire, Quan Cosby vouched for Charlie Williams because he was his position coach with the Colts. Uh, so Quan, I remember talking to Quan after the hire was made, and he's like, "Trust me, he's like this guy will be really good. He'll get the he'll get the most out of what he's got." Yeah, my man Quan knows ball. Um, 
So I was yeah. going to say that. Give me That's just a sec, good. guys. Um, I'm trying to find where Charlie Williams is at. You do that, Matt. I'll, I'll continue on with what I was thinking about. So I was going to mention the you know that receiver room in 2016, getting production out of that room. Um, Brennan Marion, to, to our point right on the recruiting thing, you get a three-man recruiting class with Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, and DeAndre Moore. I mean, that's a pretty salty receiver class. He's at Arkansas? Yeah, director like, of football management. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, moved on up to more like administration stuff. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Of the coaching role. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, that is interesting. Um, but to your point, I I think, you know, you got certain boxes you got to check as an assistant coach. Maybe he's a passing game coordinator, I believe, as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he checked two out of those three boxes, recruiting, and I think he checked his schematic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, contributions, that kind of thing, with the go-go offense, and you're now you're tw- you're 21 personnel because of your personnel because of Rojo and Bijan mostly, yeah. but also because of his schematic contributions. I do, you know, and like I said I've already looked at the numbers. It was your most effective and most explosive personnel package last year. So I think he checked that box too. The one box he didn't check was probably your developmental aspect of the uh, coaching contribution. And here's the other aspect of that too. Like let's just take NIL out of it for a minute. I know we can't, but in this yeah. hypothetical world, let's take it out. I think if you're Sark, I think you've got to think developmental guy because if you're a wide receiver, Sark's got enough skins on the wall that you know if you're if you're a receiver worth your salt, you know what you can do in his offense. Mm-hmm. Let's yes. go down the list of yeah. guys that have produced at a clip. Totally. If I'm Sark, now the way I sell recruits on my offense, if Xavier Worthy goes from a year where he's extremely inconsistent to you know, if he catches 80 balls next year and is a first-team All-American – now you've just put yourself in a position to resell your offense to wide receiver recruits. Great. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's part of the sales pitch, right? The scheme is aesthetically pleasing. It looks good. It's an exciting scheme. That's, I've said this about Longhorn fans. You know, as, as long as I've known Longhorn fans, uh, you know, just lack of a better term, they've been com- bitching and complaining about the Texas offense schematically oh, forever. Yeah. Even with Greg, even with Greg, even when Greg Davis was the offensive coordinator, yeah. even when they were winning uh, national titles and competing for national titles, Longhorn fans were still complaining about the offense. They were still one. upset about the Texas offense and about schematically how they didn't like it, and that's because it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. And even when Brian Harson's show about nothing, uh, even when it was Sterling Gilbert, whatever you want to say, I mean, all of the offenses that I've ever known. Honestly, you got probably got to go back to the. Daryl K. Royal, the or even no, 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 no BS though. A lot of people said this though. When you start looking at the uh, the Texas offensive schemes over the years, that Makovic actually did take the offense into a he advanced the offense. He brought it into, into the, the year nineteen ninety two. Yeah, 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 yeah he advanced <laughs> into the twentieth century at the time because they were they were kind of an antiquated offensive scheme. And Longhorn fans have even that. That's probably the one time they started liking the offense and thought it was aesthetically pleasing because it was something they hadn't seen before. But they still complained about Makovic. With Sark, they like the way the offense looks, and it's been a really long time on the Forty Acres historically since Longhorn fans don't complain about the way the offense looks mm-hmm. and about the scheme of the offense and the DNA of the offense. They may not like the decisions of Sark. And how Sark, you know, his his play calling or lack of adjustments, but they do like the offense. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the last time Longhorn fans liked an actual offense, you probably got to go back to 05 or 09 with Colt operating the Greg Davis offense, but they didn't like the scheme. No. Right. 
that it was just the players were so dynamic and it didn't matter. You really got to go back to probably either the McAvick first game or getting before that go back Royal. to the late great DKR. <laughs> but I'm just like, ooh, this is not, yeah. I like this. This is this is nice. This is a sexy offense. That Sark is. has a sexy offense. That should that sells. Yeah, to for recruits. sure. And also the one thing that really sells. I think we can't see the forest for the trees if we're worried about wide receivers and Sark. Sark's like the only guy in the modern history of, of college football to win a Heisman with a receiver. Like it's been Devonta Smith, it was That's Desmond true. Howard, Tim Brown, Agreed. and Johnny Rogers, only in the history of football. We're talking eight, 90 years of Heisman, I think 87 years Great of point. Heisman. Great and point. it hadn't happened. These kids. Their dads were watching the guy that did it. It's not even like nobody even knows Desmond Howard won a Heisman. If you're talking to young mm-hmm. kids, Tim Brown and then Johnny Rogers and Johnny Rogers is like a borderline running back wide receiver for Nebraska back. He in was the a 70s. wide back. He's Debo. Oh, exactly. He was Debo same before Debo Samuel. He was people a Debo, and people don't know that, but that's even what though Debo Samuel is. And even though Desmond was a really good receiver. He was a great punt returner, and his Heisman moments came as a punt returner. Like, Tim Brown's a true receiver mm-hmm. in Devonta Smith. Yeah. That's it. And that right. was in 2020. And to do that in the quarterback era, it was like, no, we know Mac Jones isn't the best player. He's not getting the Stetson Bennett Award or whatever. They gave it to the guy that mm-hmm. was catching all the balls and going and doing it. And, I mean, when you just look at – I was looking back at just for fun. Like, it was right before Sark got to Alabama. But if you look at, say, like the 2018 box score whenever Alabama beats Ole Miss and it's DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown getting beat 62-7 to by a laundry list. It was the perfect team that had everybody from Jake, all the skill guys, like five NFL running backs, Irv Smith at tight end, and like five NFL <laughs> wide receivers, just the, all the rugs to Judy to Waddle. And they, like it just, the, it's, an, it's a video game type thing. Like it doesn't look like a real team that could exist that could beat A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf 62 to 7. But that, those Alabama teams, he can just put that down and be like, man, I'm going to pr- get production out of y'all, but don't worry. Which all helps him recruit. Yes. So he doesn't need a recruit. That Heisman with Devonta got him everything. Yeah, exactly. for, the, for the sake of, uh, for argument's got sake, him worthy. when we talk about wide receivers winning Heisman trophies, uh, if Peter Wark didn't get suspended for the first few games of 99, he would have mm-hmm. won the Heisman over Ron Dane. Should have won the Heisman over Ron Dane. Probably, should, probably deserved it over Ron Dane anyway. I'm uh, not a big Ron Dane fan. I can tell. Yeah. yeah, but I agree with you. Ron Dane was not dynamic. How you oh, feel no. about how you feel about Derrick Rose, Rod? That's how I feel about Ron Dane. <laughs> yeah, and oddly, there was a middle school. My middle school teacher at O. Henry was the biggest Wisconsin guy, and he always ragged on Ricky and was like, "Oh, Daner, Daner's a beast," and then Daner ends up winning a Heisman. I was like, "Ron Dane's a fraud." Yeah, I feel like that too. Yeah. I agree with you on that. So shout out Peter Work. You're, I know you're not listening to this, but uh, wherever you are. Ooh. Man, you talk about a guy that was a highlight reel in his day. It just it felt like he ha- he he was missing some of the crucial like ligaments in your lower like lower legs yeah. that usually would snap and pop. You made certain moves, but with him, he would make certain moves. I was like, most guys would tear their ACL when they did that, mm-hmm. and he would just do it, and it and was just keep on going. Yeah, it, he's it, a he, huge body. He, I, I still haven't seen many players that move physically like Peter Work. I'm not joking. Like in college, they're not like guys moved the way he did. It was a weird, but you know what? Maybe that's why it wasn't gonna last. I was saying about Derrick Rose. My main one, of my main takes on Derrick Rose was I was like, dude, you can't play like that forever. Yeah. yeah, I was like, he's he's so explosive. I'm surprised his shoes don't explode. Yeah, like once a game. Like yeah. those moves, I'm like stopping like that. I was like, there's a reason people don't stop like that, dude. Yeah. 
because they blow ACLs and tear things. And I said at the time, I was like, I was like, that's not gonna last, guys. That's and what makes Bijan so crazy. When you were talking about yeah. Peter Wark right there, it reminded me because uh, like when you see Bijan do it though, it's so fluid it and is. like he's somehow able to make those stops and do all those things that normally torque knees and you think don't can't happen. And he's in like a two hundred twenty plus well, pound body, and he does it elegantly like a ballerina dancer. But don't forget about Texas Tech, where yeah. His it, that happened body. to and that happened to ninety five percent of us. Our next never play football again. We, yeah. dude, we might not ever walk again. Agreed. That dude walked away from that scorpion. And I, God bless Tom Herman, Tom, who at the time we found out he wasn't injured. Tom Herman said, "Now you just ain't gonna play. No, you can't go <laughs> like back." I, and that's, I, I watched. That's I watched. We gotta that. do studies well, on you. Exactly. <laughs> I think honestly, I'm not joking. I think you know we had the men in black. There was like aliens walk among mm-hmm. us. That dude's an alien, and he's yep. just playing yeah. football, and it's all good. That explains the haircut. That explains, it it explains his personality. Nice he he's yeah. perfect. It's it, a, it, it, he's, he's a perfect just, human. He's an alien. <laughs> it's just men in black, and then you know he just hasn't been found out, but. He was almost revealed in that tech game. Yeah. It's like, how'd you walk away from that? It's like, Predator. I, I still have the pictures, and I'm like, that's that's not human. Yeah. By the way, I was looking back at some of those early 2000s Bengals teams. Please forgive me for that. I'm just a masochist and enjoy doing that. Oh. How, how did the Bengals survive Peter Warwick being a draft bus? The next year they drafted Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada. Ooh, and that good job. Carson so Palmer's they, leg. Two out of three. It ain't bad. <laughs> Didn't meet Love saying it ain't bad. And it was like right when that team was going to peak with Carson Palmer, his leg blew out against the Steelers in the playoffs. Wow. Yes, it did. And now they got Joe Burrow. Well, it's all good. Joe yeah. Burrow with the uh, – I don't know what the Bengals are going to put out there for an offensive line this week. Speaking of lifetime Longhorns, Trey Hopkins, I don't know if he stayed in shape, but maybe lob him a phone call. That Joseph Osai has been making some big plays coming in for them off of um, pass rush specialists. Nice to meet you, Charles Amanda, who's been making. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. balling out of Hassan control. Ridgeway with the Niners. Yeah. Uh, that forced fumble by Omenhu totally changed that game. It did. Yep. Amen, brother. They it were did. going in to take a lead yeah. right there. They yeah. had already led, and totally then agree. right then it totally flipped it. Yep. I, I still say in my time on the beat covering Texas, Charles Amen, who made my favorite play, in terms of how I heard a guy describe it afterwards. He was a horn in The fourth down stop against Texas Tech when he's like, I know, he saw it on film. He's like, I yep. know every time they don't get – the only play they run under center is quarterback sneak. He told Chris Nelson to move out of the way. He's like, I'm going over the top. Went over <laughs> the top and got the fourth down stop. The film it's guy. Football IQ, man. Love it. You no, know, be coachable. Don't be a robot. Go and, make the play. And thank you guys for reminding me and letting me know that Marcus Johnson's not only still in the league, he's on a playoff team. Yeah, he's playing this week. The Giants. Amen. Hell, they got he was active. Colin Johnson going to stay healthy. They've had more injuries at wide receiver than any other position, mm-hmm. than any other team in the NFL. They're and like they, the Ravens last year at running back. Man, and yeah, they got Isaiah Hodgins, the kid who got from cut Buffalo. from Buffalo <laughs> 11 weeks ago, and he is getting 100 yards he a season. He showed up like right before Thanksgiving because Dable, Dable knew the second he got cut, he was like, oh, man, that guy yeah. knows my practice squad. He was a practice Hell. squad guy with Who's Buffalo. Who's their wide receiver coach? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the judge? Really? That, yeah. that guy's killing it. They now, maybe play. somebody that – and I mean, there's some connectivity there because Sark replaced Bro, Dable they, they had, they lost, at Alabama. They lost Sterling Shepard, Colin Johnson – one Dale Robinson, yep. and they traded Kadarius Tony. They benched their big time uh, free agent with Kenny Galladay. Yeah, Galladay just sucked all they season. Just, yeah, because he was they just so the bad. Mannequin. And then Isaiah Hodgins comes in eleven weeks ago, and yep. he's balling in the yep. playoffs. Because Galladay looks like That's the best wide receiver. Right Everybody calls him the mannequin. He uh, just stands over there. Yeah, who's the Giants' wide receivers coach? Mike Grow. 
Who's a Bill Parcells, Tom Coughlin, Saban descendant? Ah, there you go. And with the Saban connectivity, Sark replaced Dayball as the offensive coordinator under Saban. Got that Dayball. Dayball. Dayball's now. That guy's good. You get made man status in the NFL when you turn around and resurrect and resuscitate the career of a quarterback who everybody thought was a bust and done for. Yeah. And that's what Sean McVay did with Jared Goff. Uh, That's what. That Dable's doing right now with Daniel Jones. Yeah, Mike, you do that, you're a made man. You yeah. can do whatever you want to do. Mike Grow, yeah. his dad is Al Grow, former Virginia head coach, but was oh, an yeah. assistant under Bill Parcells. Right. And Mike Grow, two different stints under Nick Saban as the wide receivers coach. Speaking of made men. And the U-turn <laughs> of the Giants and of the Jaguars this season just with good coaching being able to be plugged in like that. That's a great point. Both good, really good that, passing game guys. And that's a good thing about Sark, man. Having that NFL connection, it really does help those Two or three years he spent in the NFL, they're really good. Remember, Al Davis loved him from Sark too way back in the day. Late great Al Davis, he did. He oh, loved him from Sark. He was, a, he was a big Sark fan. Uh, but having that connection, it really does help. Even now, I mean, I mean, think about it. That's and a, then Lane know, Kiffin right after Shano, and then Lane Kiffin. He, oh, well, I mean, the he Lane Kiffin like Lane overhead Kiffin, projector. Yeah. He, liked he loved them, them until he loved them, and then he hated them. Yeah. Loved them way too much. It's a thin line between love and hate. But yeah, that does help because now you can recruit those guys in the league. Yeah, I think about it, it's all the different offenses Sark has been a part of, right? Like as a player, he was at BYU with Norm Chow, and that's mm-hmm. he spent a lot of time around Norm Chow in that offense. But then, like, you think about his time in the NFL, like with the Raiders, that's like, you know, North Turner's offense, like just play action pass and want to run the football right. and all that stuff. You're pretty much not throwing the ball unless you're taking deep shots. Like you're not throwing little gimme shots. And then, uh, you know, he's kind of got his own offense. At SC, it's it's really fascinating if you follow Sark's career, the the different offenses yeah. he's been a part of. Yeah, and he's been able to absorb a lot from all those offenses, and I, you can see him the influences uh, that have been able to just kind of shape his offensive philosophy. And I think one of the biggest ones was his time in the NFL. That six O line package that comes from the NFL. Hell, Kyle Flood and his his relationship with Kyle Flood mm-hmm. started right there in the NFL. His uh the the two back sets he now uses. And has he lives he used sparingly, but here at Texas obviously used a lot more of that started in the league right after Shano trying to transition that offense from Shanahan's twenty one personnel to his own type. And he's he's the one who started using the, the, the two tailbacks. Yeah. Instead of actually using a full and that traditional fullback. So no, I, you can see Stark's evolution and it's it's awesome. I mean it's great. And we talked about it before, you know, that's kinda how my football mind works. I don't Rod, I forget if this is kind of your definition of a football theorist. Like I see the what. I want to know the why. Like why why are you doing that? Why why is that your philosophy? Yeah. I know you told me and I, I finally got out of Sark last summer on why why you talk about big humans, like why big humans? Mm-hmm. It was from his time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. because the Falcons still, I think, have one of the smallest offensive lines in the NFL. And he right. said, I really didn't like going up against the Patriots or the Eagles or the Ravens and facing these big defensive fronts and getting pushed around. Exactly. Said, I told myself, if I ever got a chance to do it again myself, I'm not going to go into a stadium and get bullied. Mm-hmm. Bully ball. Yeah. And that's where it comes from. Yeah, so you can – I mean, that's good that you can track the kind of evolutionary uh, kind of progress and how he has formed his – whatever his ideology offensively is now. That's good that you can track it because it, it shows that – he is he is malleable. Like he is not some he's not so stubborn that's always got to be his way. He is enlightened by the football around him, and that's to me, to me being a football theorist, just being a student of the game, yeah. mm-hmm. being willing to be a student of the game to the point where you can learn something new, uh, and you become such a student of the game. 
when you become so kind of entrenched in studying the game and studying the trends and the patterns and what, then you can actually start predicting Mm -hmm. where the game is going. Mm -hmm. You can make, you know, I mean, these these grand prognostications about, no, 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 you need to run this more and it'll help. And, you know, that's why I think that's why that's why the the best football theorists are the ones like, you know, I, I, I hate to bring up Shano again. You bring up Shano. Here's it. Mark it on your bingo card. Sorry, bring up Shano. Here it is. Um, but when you come up with a concept that can separate you from the rest of football, mm-hmm. right? That's you actually becoming a, such a student of the game. You go, all right, actually he's a student of the game because obviously his dad, he's running his dad's offense. Um, but he put his own spin on it, which was, all right, I want to be positionless football. That's it. My fullback, yeah, people are going to laugh that I, I pay use check to be the highest paid fullback in the NFL. But you got to understand what he means to this specific formula of positionless football, where I can move every different chess piece around. People are gonna laugh that I spent so much, so much, so many draft, so much draft capital yeah. on getting a Christian McCaffrey. But you don't understand for this <laughs> formula that I have, where I'm zigging when y'all zagging. Yeah. All right, trust me, he is the missing piece to it. The Debo Samuel, right? That was in. That was something that was deliberate. Finding a guy like that, mm-hmm. he tried to remember. Remember Jalen Hurd from Baylor? Yeah. yeah. Remember he drafted that guy too. Mm-hmm. He, same he, type. He, he tried. He, he tried to find a Debo before the Debo, but he, he found Debo and he's like, that's what I need. I, I remember when guy. you told it's me that one. how he, he thought Brandon Ayuk was number one on his draft board was, of all those really receivers, high. and everybody yeah. else was like, why are they taking Ayuk? Yeah. yeah. He yeah, and exactly right. He has these kind of fixation. That's a man beater that you can kill. Boom, exactly because he knows I'm gonna get man on that side. I just need somebody that can beat man to man consistently mm-hmm. all the time and all those different pieces it they kind of added up over the years and it took him it's taken him what six years but when he traded for McCaffrey was the final pieces, piece right so it, it I'm not saying it's it, it's the right thing to do because it took him a while to do it you got to have job security to do mm-hmm. that and I don't know if he necessarily won the entire time survived injury attrition yeah. like crazy especially at the quarterback position but now nobody in the NFL is playing positionless football nobody I said five, six years ago, I said, like, no, the future of football is positionless football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the conversation I had with him was about that. Yeah. The conversation that he had with Dan Quinn was about that. Look at Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. He tried to find uh, in the Devondre Campbell, he tried to move him around when he was at Atlanta, who is now at um, Green Bay. At Green Bay. Thank you very much. And all pro at Green Bay, by the way. But then he with the Dallas Cowboys. One-time Texas was, recruit, by the way. Yeah, it's just serendipitous that he ended up with a Micah Parsons and then went after J-Ron Curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Sam Williams draft pick is kind of the same thing. And that's why he likes to deploy three safeties because he wants his defense to be malleable and kind of a hybrid, but he also likes hybrid defenders because he's looking at the future. I believe he has some of the same conversations I had with Shannon about, no, 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 man, the future is just going to be guys that can move around everywhere. And if you don't have defensive pieces that can mm-hmm. also adjust and are just as malleable, then you're going to be SOL. And right now, they are the they are a Rubik's cube that the NFL can can't solve right now. They're gonna be able to solve because it's a copycat league. They mm-hmm. figure it out. But right now, it's really tough. I love the matchup, by the way, between the Cowboys and the 49ers, because it is it's a great matchup. It's yeah. positionless football on both sides. That defense is built on hybridism and multiplicity, but the offense of Shano has been building on this concept for 
five, six years now. Uh, but it may be one of the only defenses that can that, that kind of matches up really well with yeah. it. And to add to your point, well, and what other teams are theory. at least trying to do what Dayball's do, using, if you look at the amount of time that Saquon is out in the slot, like they use Saquon the way McCaffrey is used. They just don't have the receivers necessarily, but picking those little parts, you saw Jordan Jefferson was being put into the, not Jordan Jefferson, Justin Jefferson was put into yep. the backfield mm-hmm. on that play just because like it confuses the defense, it, the unpredictability. And so that that little bit too. Yeah. And then With X-Men. you look at the Chiefs, yeah. how Jarek McKinnon has excelled to be becoming like, no, but he was an afterthought, but he was a guy that was injuries, used to be with Shanna. Yeah. And then yeah. he blew his leg out, yeah. but he was a freak, highest spark score guy back in the day when he came out to Minnesota, and injuries derail him, but now he has a reception in seven consecutive games. It's the NFL record most receiving touchdowns in consecutive games. They they use him. There's basically, if you watch the RPO game, basically they extend RPO. Instead of running, they just have him trail out into the flat, and it's like an option forward pitch where mm. you're playing that defender, and every single time Mahomes, McKinnon knows the block. He knows to block the whole way, but also to have my periphery open because the second this guy that I'm blocking goes to get the scrambling Mahomes, Mahomes just shovels him a touchdown. And they've done it seven straight weeks, but like the ability to use him in the receiving game across mm-hmm. the board, they traded for Tony because the previous staff didn't like Tony, but Tony lines up in the backfield. He goes out yeah. for screens. He, they Kelsey want to in be the their wide back, kind of like how Debo. They want a wide receiver that they can use in the running game. Speaking of Dabble, Dabble was one of the first uh, kind of innovators of wide receivers in the running game. It started right around, I mean, it started probably back in uh, the early 2000s. Yep. But Brian Dabble was actually one of the first guys to jump on it. If you the look Jaguars at used yeah. that Jamal Agnew guy who he's only on the field like for probably 15 snaps. But he's that weapon that they use yeah. across the board. And then you bringing up at the beginning of the season the passing principles and pivot to – uh, or uh, power, power principles, principles and, and pivot, pass, pivot to, to pass, pass in place. Yeah. Cowboys, what did they do when they were backed up last night inside their own 10-yard line on that long-ass putt? Came out in 13 personnel. Yeah. They had three tight ends, and what did they do on the very first play? It's a play action. They throw down the line get 40 yards to Schultz and get yep. some out to midfield. But, like, that same idea, you see that being used all the time by the Chiefs, all those teams bringing out all those tight ends and stuff. So those things are trickling all over the place with the best teams in the NFL. Yep. It's good, good for discussion and I know I know there's been a couple people throughout the course of this podcast who have said why'd you guys talk so much NFL we're just talking football theory that's what we do here on the blitz it's not just hard news it's all related these yeah. things are all related yeah. to what They're Texas the best, does and the how best Texas uses mind players. Like Sark, he's, Sark has admitted that I watch the Matt LaFleur the Sean McVay the Shanahan coaching tree mm-hmm. I watch all those guys so I mean, you see some of those concepts trickle about as yeah. Matt mentioned. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so why we discuss it. that's why we discuss it. That's why we we enjoy it. Uh, two things I want to mention about Chris Jackson, though, and maybe it's three. I don't know. I'm I'm probably going to ramble here for a minute. But as far as the recruiting, you know, as far as the recruiting aspect goes, we talked about Sark's offense. That's but from what we've heard, Jeff Banks has been pretty heavily involved in the search for wide receivers coach. So I wonder, with those two having the track record, I mean, playing together at Washington State and probably mm-hmm. followed each other since then, I do wonder, does Jeff Banks say, tell Sark about the recruiting thing, hey, just let me kind of piggyback on his recruitments and helping his recruitment. He'll, he'll be fine there, but this dude can, can yeah. coach his tail off. When we talk about, you know, thinking outside the box, uh, you got to think about Chris Jackson. I mean, played for a guy like Mike Price, who at the time, 
at the time, Mike Price was pretty innovative with what he was doing mm-hmm. at Washington State. They were running kind of a at the time, at the time it would be kind of a, a new age version of the run and shoot mm-hmm. at the time. So and playing with multiple receivers. The thing that the other thing that excites me about when you talk about players that need to have multiplicity, go look at Chris Jackson's experience in the arena league. I know some people might laugh at that, <laughs> but Oh yeah, I remember watching it. Some of those concepts yeah. have translated from the arena league to where football is now. Yep. So I do wonder if he's maybe the arena league experience makes him kind of an outside the box thinker in terms of how he thinks about the receiver cool position, you or how he like, thinks about offense in general. Yeah. Tyreek Hill is as that guy that could just be running full speed and be mm-hmm. shot out of a cannon coming yeah. up. Like Those arena league rules were pretty cool to be able to throw the ball with. No, I'm with you on that. No, they were. No, I'm with you. It's, it's, if, it depends on what you want from your wide receiver coach. If you want someone that's going to bring in and make some uh, schematic contributions or some tactical contributions, that's one thing. If you want somebody to come in it's just a – Talent developer, that's one thing. Or if you want someone to check multiple boxes as a recruiter, talent developer, and all that. So I, I don't. I think right now he's focused on someone because he's got the scheme. We know that. Um, recruiting, we've just talked about how the pitch is pretty easy for Sark in recruiting, now, especially for a wide receiver considering he's got a wide receiver that won the Heisman, as Matt mentioned. I think for him he just needs to prioritize getting somebody that can coach wire, these wide receivers into fundamentals. Yeah, and so they can be they can become kind of technicians at beating man coverage consistently, and technicians at reading coverages. That's important for a, a wide receiver coach too, teaching guys how to read coverages. Yeah, and that's going to be mm-hmm. important. So huge. I, yeah, I think he just wants a some of a, a fundamental um, kind of technician coach. I wondered too, Rod, with uh, with Sart really, you know, through his ties to Pete Carroll. Really, kind of diving into the uh, the philosophy, the mindset of Bill Walsh. Sark has mm-hmm. talked about how much he he loves Bill Walsh and tries to follow. Uh, by the way, I think Sark has a copy of uh, Finding the Winning Edge. Uh, he I, I think he's read it cover to cover. Yeah. Every football coach should. Got some bread he can afford to buy. Five hundred dollar book, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sports collectible books. Um, but I do wonder when you look at the you know you look at Sark's ties to kind of that Bill Walsh tree that trickles all the way down to. Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay, I do. And there is some crossover when you look at Chris Jackson. The two guys he's worked for in the NFL as offensive coordinators have been Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson. Andy Reid disciples also come from the Bill Walsh tree. So I just wonder how much overlap is there. And, and probably from an X's and O's standpoint, I would think Sark has to be pretty comfortable with it. I'm not saying like the the, the verbiage translates because everybody's got their different verbiage. But in terms of like the framework or the passing game, there's probably a lot of that West Coast stuff that translates Yeah, from the NFL, what he's learned from Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson to what Sark is doing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, and like I said, I, I don't think, uh, you know, Sark is going to get preoccupied with trying to find – the perfect wide receiving coach. Um, I think he's going to prioritize a couple of things, and if that guy can check those boxes, um, that's going to be his guy. And from what just the, the list that we're hearing of possible candidates, I think he, like I said, he wants someone that he knows can develop talent in that room because he knows right now I got the wide receiving talent that I need. Mm-hmm. If that class coming in for the future, if that class kind of stays intact for the most part, you know, you got X Man. You got Isaiah Nayor coming off the injury, knock on wood for him. You got Jay Wick coming back. That's a blessing, too. You still got some young guys waiting to prove themselves, whether it be a Brendan Thompson, Savion Red, 
I mean, there's some Jonte other guys. Cook and DeAndre Moore in for spring. Yes, yeah, like bring in those young guys too. So I think Sark knows he got the, he's got the talent in the room. If he can get somebody right now to to get that group to maximize talent and reach their potential, uh, you got more than enough firepower. Because JT Sanders now is also yeah. gonna be. Let's be honest, he's considered a receiver now. Like Bijan should have been. Bijan wasn't enough. Bijan should have been considered one of your elite wide receivers. Um, I think JT Sanders will get that benefit that he'll be basically considered a wide receiver. When you start looking at how they use him and how often he is in the slot or mm-hmm. out wide, and I've talked about this before, he needs to be the focal point of your your minor in positionless football. You can't major in it because you don't really have a star to major in mm-hmm. it with, but you can start moving some of those pieces right. He's one of those guys. He can play anywhere. He can play fullback. He can play H-back, play tight end, flex him out. You can put him in slot, put him out wide, put him anywhere, and he can still be an impact player because he proved this year he can block. So there's no reason for you not to move him everywhere around in that in that offense. I'm just wondering, not to bring him up again, but I'll do it. How much do you think Kyle Shanahan, what would he give up to be able to – he's got some draft picks in the 2024 draft when he's eligible. How much would Shano give to trade up to draft Brock Bowers out of Georgia? Ooh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's scary. You talk yeah. about a positionless guy, man, that can do yeah. a lot of things yep. for you. Yeah, and you got to – yeah, you got to – I mean, Kittle, it took him forever to, to find Kittle, and you can find pieces like that, but those guys are special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Don't let that happen. No. Don't let that happen. No, definitely like, not. Don't let Bijan go to the Eagles. Like, don't. <laughs> Please don't. Happen. I hate the Eagles, and yeah, I don't want to have to. About, that's the rule. That the, the Eagles are like they can. They have the luxury of being able to draft a Bijan. If they say if they go to the the NFC title game or go yeah. to the Super Bowl this year, they could draft a Bijan. Like, Damn. Well, and the thing with the them top. is. They have Miles Sanders as a free agent, which means that you can replace, instead of overpaying a second contract Mm. running back, you have a pick at the top half because they have the Saints' first-round pick, and then they have a pick at the bottom half. So you're going to need him to be drafted between, like, 6 and, like, 28. Don't let it happen. (laughs) NFL, don't let it happen. And then he'll be a bill, which would be amazing. (laughs) Real quick before we get out of here, uh, the NFL early entry deadline has come and gone. I think for Texas, everything held serve. I mean, you knew you were losing – Roshan and Bijan. I think the two mm-hmm. biggest wins by far. And, you know, Jade Barron and Jaron Thompson, and there were some other guys that made their announcements, even though we assumed they were coming back. But the two biggest wins, without question, getting Tavondre Sweat for another year, getting Jalen Ford for another year. And yeah. I'll throw Jordan Whittington in there, too. Yeah, I'll throw Jay Witt in there because he, he had a decision to make. Christian Jones is in there, too. Is that, mm-hmm. That's the one that surprised me because I, mm-hmm. I just assumed he was gone. I, I mean, that too. to me, that's we talked about that last week. To me, that's you're just playing with house money. In terms of your own line depth right now, yeah. I mean, but it's a good thing you got him back because now you can experiment with your interior positions with Cole Hudson probably missing the spring and Connor Robertson probably missing the spring. No, that that's a big one. It's just really a luxury to end up getting you know a veteran offensive lineman back. Uh, and shout out to I think I'm not I don't know this, but shout out to the Pancake Factory. I'm sure that helps. Yeah, having you know the Pancake Factory and all the uh, scholarship offers alignment make was it fifty thousand or whatever it something is? like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that helps too. So yeah, I mean, I think for for Texas, all those pieces coming back um, really help. I think the probably the most impactful is obviously Jalen Ford um, deciding that he's coming back. I, I don't think yeah. there was even even any. I don't know. I, maybe there were reports. I'm sure that he saw what his value would be, maybe entered his name into the the, the review board. He did, um, and he got a he got a return to school grade from what we were told. Yeah, because they only have three grades, first, second, and go back to school. So mm-hmm. he probably wasn't. And by the way, off-ball linebackers. You're not going to get taken in the second. Unless you're just some freak of nature like Micah Parsons. 
You don't get drafted yeah. that high anyway at off-ball linebacker. Well, and then now he plays 96% of his snaps at D-line because he's a freak pass rusher. You know, yeah, like, I know, a- which is I still, it's it's not ideal. You'd like to be able to move him around. That's why they drafted Sam Williams. They want another guy that could be able to be a bookend pass rusher because it doesn't allow, it's, it's almost a, the, the, what Texas did when they brought in uh, Tuck, right? Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Mm-hmm. It allowed them to be able to, to utilize DeMarvion Overshone in a different number of ways, right, to be yep. more versatile. If you don't get another pass rusher, then you basically you, you typecast him mm-hmm. to be an edge rusher all the time. Now, he's elite there. Yeah, since week 11, they he, just he, had to. He's elite of, there any way you put him. Yep. Yeah. And based on the matchup, especially when you're going up against a team like San Fran. Oh, yeah. Who's San only Fran's moving their chess pieces around. It'd be ideal for you to be able to move your chess pieces around yeah. and turn them into a team that is trying to figure out where your best player is going to be. Oh, and yeah. Not what you always looking about. Where, where's it's a lot different where's against, Evo Samuel? It's a lot so, different against the Bucks and Tom, going after Tom Brady yeah. when you know he's going to drop back to pass 70% exactly. of the time. You can send him every time. Right, so, Putting him in coverage, that's to be a lot bigger whenever you're against a 49ers. Yeah, let's go through your Mo Blackwell thing, Jeff Howe. Huh? Yes. That's the reason you like your Mo Blackwell. Fan. Great way to end the podcast. <laughs> talking about Mo Blackwell. <laughs> I might buy me a 37 jersey. Like Fanatics has a deal where you can buy the official jerseys now. I think you could do it, man. I think I think there's some of the guys. Get you some think of John the Bianca would throw me out of the press box if I showed up to the Rice game wearing a Mo Blackwell jersey? Probably. That's all right, though. Yeah. Uh, you I, should I'd be able it. to wear it. I'm you just can't cheer for yeah. it. So you can wear it and just don't no, cheer for it. That's what I could. That's part, that's a perfect defense, man. I'm not cheering. I'm abiding by I'm football just wearing a piece of cloth. Sir. Football Writers Association yeah. etiquette. He's a hybrid player. You know so. what? I spilled, I spilled ketchup on my dress shirt, and I just this was all I had in the car. So, <laughs> uh, what am I going to do? Walk around Blackwell. naked? Nobody wants to see that. I love that. Yeah. Fantastic. Love me some Mo Blackwell. I think yeah, we'll right. talk about Mo Blackwell next week. Even if there's nothing Mo Blackwell related, I'll invent something just because I like talking about yeah. Mo Blackwell. All right. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on that Horn app and at hornfm.com where you get Rod beat each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. I almost said the Rodcast. That was a throwback. Ooh, I almost school. said it. I almost Man. said it. I almost said it. Uh, you, can al- that. you can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows 
or on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.